the fundamental um, harmful influence the Buddha talked about was called Asawa. This he term means something like um, an outflow or a leakage, or something leaks in, corrupts the system, or the system kind of breaks and leaks out. As something that was intact and healthy becomes broken and, and loses its vitality, loses its sap. It's a kind of metaphor applied to disease that trees would get, like a sap oozes out. Tree then loses its vitality, withers and dies. So Buddha often uses these powerful similes and metaphors and images to describe things that we don't really even notice. <laughs> and he said, it's only through his powerful meditation practice, he said, I could witness this is this is it. I see it. I see these asavas, these outflows, these leakages. Wasn't his mind said my mind was made steady, purified, concentrated, then I could witness, I could see the asava. I saw the way they stopped. And this led to liberation. So this phrase this kind of reference is still there in many of the suttas you see it. They were liberated, the chittas were liberated from the asava through not clinging. There's a piece of Buddhist jargon, you know. Chitta was liberated, asava was not clinging. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> well, clinging is that compulsive adherence, knee jerk, grab, cling. It's a reflex, a twitch, something sticks. Yeah. That you can notice. Now, what is it that is affected by that? Mind, heart, awareness, I mean, contracts, jumps, explodes, sinks. You can notice that. And suffering, isn't it? You notice that. How does that happen? Didn't notice that. <laughs> it's because of them. It's because of that sound. It's because of that person. It's because of what I read or heard. That's what did it. No. Sounds are just sounds. People do what people do. What occurred, something cracked. And this influence jumped in. Triggered by that sight, or that sound, or that person, or that action, or that non-action, or your memory, or your opinion or your perception, triggering occurred. That's true. It was the trigger that caused the <laughs> that flaring up. Not the phenomenon itself. And that uh, triggering effect is this asava. cracks into a jitta and just jumps, energy jumps up, sinks back, crashes around. It's energy, isn't it? You know, flare, jump. That's an energetic experience. And chitta's energies are no longer steady and composed. They are distorted, bent, 
crushed, flaring up, agitated, trembling. That's an energetic experience. And then based upon that, all kinds of turbulent emotions, perceptions, ideas, thoughts, reactions start welling up. Once it got in, once that happened, you know, it's the cascade that disease takes over and everything is flaring up. And this stuff then, you can see it many times. Some report comes up on the internet or something like that. Suddenly everybody's jumping up and this, that, this, that, this, that, you know, reactions, 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 counter-reactions, reactions to people who react, reactions to tell people not to react, or reaction, reaction. <laughs> you get back to the original thing, what happened? The matter of opinion will happen. Something got triggered. Mm. And yeah, you can review that incident again from other perspectives. As we do in community life, you realize, well, he sees it somewhat differently. She wasn't bothered at all. He interpreted it another way. <laughs> what happened? My experience is definitely that. And it's good to notice that, but investigate the nature of trigger, nature of what leaked in, contraction, clinging, curd, and then all the flaring up. Familiar experience, isn't it? I mean, not necessarily out of control, it's pretty common experience. Also, we don't see it. You see it, you feel it, but you don't see it. Because that's kind of normal. You know, gentle triggers or you know, excited triggers or something like that. You don't see it. Or the damage of it. How energy tips over and we get blown away and we get excited and we get angry and we get upset and we berate ourselves. And, all its turbulence which is generated to, which goes nowhere useful nowhere useful going on in the world what do you see? Even the situation here, some people are very pleased that we are maintaining this openness and live streaming. You know, it's our home. We're putting a television in our own home, recording where we are, you know, and a sense of wishing to support. Other people say, Why are you so closed? Not very compassionate to be closed down. Well, we're not closed. You know, people come in and out, people have courage to sit here. We're just not mingling so as we would normally. Out of a sense of concern, passion. For you know, people here with very low autoimmune bodies, easily affected. Their duty is to, we don't know how elderly people can come here, people are not so strong, make sure they're safe. It's that lack of compassion. Oh, you monks, you think you can just sit in your place all on your own, not be bothered with anybody else, and you've got it all set up. Wow. 
<laughs> I mean, the whole, what happened? You could look at it that way. Uh, you can all take it easy, it's all very good for you. Well, okay, well, come and join us then. You become a monk. It's so easy, you do it. <laughs> it's all just sitting back on a cushion and taking it easy for the rest of your life. You do it. Uh, oh no, I'm too busy, I've got responsibility. Yeah, okay, sure. It's not so easy. Perhaps it's not what you think it is from the outside. Perhaps nothing is what we think it is. <laughs> we have our perceptions. We have our perspectives. Perhaps nothing is exactly the way we think it is or assume it is. Maybe we have to live with that. I've got angles and line spots. And but do I have to get triggered and claim that what I perceive is true? That's the error. Not that one can't feel, perceive things as curious, disturbing, disappointing, whatever. Not the way I want to be feeling slightly disoriented by it all. But do I need to get the triggering where suddenly perceptions become absolutely crystal clear and solid? And it creates a me and them, me and her, this group and that group, and then the discord. That's Asava does that. It's over. So you question your perceptions, where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Linger with it. Turn it over. Look into the sources of triggering and the perception. They're both highly distorted, distortable. Perception is based upon what we have already learnt or acquired or become habituated to and then we see a current event, current perception, a current impression we place it upon that previous memory you could say sometimes it's called memory, sanya it's got a long memory, it's a very short immediate photograph that something reminds me of this Reminds me of this. These are signs, great signs. This is a sign of hostility. That action touches that sign where it flashes up, then a light comes up, hostility. Or whatever, you know, number of things. Those signs are embedded. Based upon that sign, that trigger, then my reaction is to close down or fight back or run away or whatever. Mm-hmm. This whole thing takes over. So, what would be like to that to not happen? Sights, sounds, people, events not doing that. 
rather <laughs> agreeable, peaceful, pleasant. And maybe we could be more kindly and compassionate when we're not getting so our buttons pushed all the time. More grounded, more stable, wiser. We're not just uh, getting our stuff. This also a triggering, occurring. So it examines one's perceptions. As is this, you know, where is this based on? It's always based on past. And yeah, some of it's true. Some of it's not entirely untrue. It's true subjectively that you know that is based upon events that happened in the past or experiences in the past. You keep checking, is that the way it is right now? Mm. And of course, these perceptions become our library. Big people, large people are threatening, because when you're very small, they are threatening. (laughs) People in charge are bullying, because that can happen too. You know, the way it goes. You learn these images flash up. And of course, once you get a group, you get a sense of this is in the group, they're out the group. And you've been rejected from the group, you're now you're in the group. So once you get a group like a monastic community, then some people will feel, you know, rejected by it because that's their experience of group. They were the ones who were left out. The kind of thing happens. And yet I imagine that most everybody within the monastery at times feels they're the one they're left out. They don't quite fit. They're the strange one. They can't quite make it. Or they're doing more of this. There's something unusual about them that separates them from the rest of the group. <laughs> so <laughs> we have a group of people of misfits. <laughs> what kind of group is that? It's a kind of a willingness. The group is a willingness to check our perceptions and attitudes and triggering and inclined towards harmony and compassion and calming and sensibly checking things out and you know, not jumping to conclusions, not picking up fixed images and impressions of self and other and just keep you know, we have these conventions behaviour to smooth things. And that's one of the ways in which we dispel the asava, their influence. And the key feature that the Buddha mentioned in his in this Sabhasava Sutta, one key feature, one key feature, one key facet called Yoniso Manasikara. This is translated wise attention. But it actually properly means attention that goes to the source, yoni, the origin. Manasikara, attention that gets into the origins of things. Sometimes called deep attention, careful attention, penetrative attention, tending to what? Where do things rise up from? And it's something that he says, you know, if you 
cultivate this, you dispel the asana. It's one thing. <laughs> but he went on to open that out, said you can cultivate this through restraint, through carefully using requisites, through patiently enduring you know, different modalities, through firmly resisting, and through wisely attending. These images of self and other that come up. I am this, he is that, they are this, she is that, they never this, I always that. Those images are to be seen as objects of what's called becoming, formation, creation, not real entities at all. Impressions. And don't, don't go into them. This is the, and the paramount or concluding um, template of practice is to cultivate the seven factors of awakening, bojhanga. And this is mindfulness, um, expiration of dhammas, qualities, energy, refreshment, rapture, certain zestful quality. Um, Soothing, calming, collectedness, firm composure, samadhi, equanimity, evenness, and evenness of awareness. Awareness is evenly spread, unbiased, open, attentive, not overheated, misdirection, numb in that direction, but open, even, emotionally stable. So these are the cultivations. And so recognizing that you know we begin primarily with this probing, and then as you do so in order to facilitate and bring that to full fruition and power, all your cultivations come down to these awakening factors. Mindfulness, bear something in mind. You bear the teachings in mind. You stay within that field, that way of looking at things. Suffering, not suffering. This causes it, this is where it is, this is where it stops. Clinging, craving, you know, you've heard these themes so many times. You can bear that in mind. When that's there, you have right view, appropriate view, then you contemplate bodily phenomena, and feeling qualities and mental states and so forth in terms of these whether they lead to suffering or stress or not this is exploring it Dhamma Vijaya these are very active wisdom faculties aren't they and the rest of these are really about building up the inner strength of Jitta and the energies are Freshened, brightened, steady, consolidated. This is because uh, you know, we realize we are pretty, sometimes we are very thin skinned in certain areas. Something touches us and we jump. You know, very sensitive to this particular experience. I get very active, agitated, you know, feeling accused, feeling blame. I feel very, I get very 
agitated and reactive. Well, not unusual, is it? Because <laughs> that whip has been probably liberally applied. <laughs> Accusation and blame is one of the primary ways in which the world operates. So people have pretty sore spots around that. And yet, you know, a thick skin is very thin there. You know, you know, it's, it's not your fault as such, but it is your responsibility not to become numb, but to contemplate the experience of blame, praise, and the agitations that can occur around it. And remain, just cultivate awareness of the triggering experience, how it happens in your feeling, your body, your mind, your psychology spasm, using your body to breathe in, breathe out, steady, stabilizing. Let's say you build it up. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting that immediate trampoline effect, jump, bounce. It's like you've got a pretty solid medium there, instead of being spring-loaded, take in, feel the effect. Mm. Okay. Now it doesn't mean we act blamelessly. That would be nice. Sometimes we do things that are not wise. But okay, I don't need the anger. I don't need the fear. I don't need the agitation. I'll take the information. Relax the emotional. How oh dare they? It's not right. I'm doing the best I can. Relax that. You've got a point there. Then one can be trained. Always seeing, you know, assessment in terms of whiplash. (laughs) You can't train, can you? Because you can't expect to get it right. But you don't want to be just fumbling along left to your own ignorance. So how do we cultivate that which enables to Acknowledge a flaw without getting this reactive triggering around it. Pretty important, isn't it? As we come to be trained, yeah. but then somebody says, well, that's not correct. <laughs> well, how can you be trained if you're going to get reactive to that? Mm-hmm. And feel hurt and wounded. So if you cultivate this, quickly acknowledge, wait a minute, let go of the trigger, review one's actions, one's behaviour, maybe they're right, maybe they're not right, let's check that out. Then, it, then we can learn. There isn't a sense we both cooperated uh, in clearing ignorance. Thank you. So this is the way you you cultivate. And of course sometimes people do blame and with no real justification or from your point of view, look at that. Okay, you've got something there that holds you steady but not 
dumb or numb or defensive steady okay then you recognize oh he's really upset he's really angry he's upset mm. bit of compassion maybe because we all know what it's like something his triggering point has occurred for him and he has to receive results of that so rather than you know fighting back you just think oh mm. it's like he's lost it there <laughs> well okay maybe we just stay present he can get over it or get through it find his ground again okay let that one pass since something's been seen what's encouraging is sense of attending to perceptions triggering if you really practice with it it takes you not just into a moral clarity, but also into really understanding perceptions and your own perceptions as one take on things that you're not particularly bonded to because it's only a, it's only an image. <laughs> you know, it's only an image. Nothing more than that. Depression. That's a freedom. But also perhaps even more profoundly into the very structure of what we take for reality. So we experience things as coming and going, days and nights, hours and minutes, events and circumstances, one thing after the next. So um, perceived and understood that way that, that, yeah, that's the way it is, isn't it? It's the day and tomorrow. When did today, when will today finish? Today finish at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, midnight, 12 o'clock, one minute past 12 or sometime before the sun rises well, be the exact moment when this day is switched off and the next one begins <laughs> well, there's a one, isn't there? I mean, you can conventionally draw a line on it say it's midnight, or if you like, dawn but it's not like nothing out there says it the night doesn't say it, the sun doesn't say it you just we, we call it that way. So this is now Tuesday, Monday, or Friday, and it's one minute past. Clock said it, but it doesn't say it. It just changes. It's always changing. There's no end to that. It's always changing. When does they begin? First light. When's the first light? The exact moment. The first light. Well, it's sort of slightly, it's coming, it's, it's arising, isn't it? Then it fades. Nothing really begins and ends. The expression is samudaya, it rises up. And uh, vayadama fades, or atangamo goes down, disappears. It doesn't end, it just 
like a wave. Where does your breath end? We call the ending of your breath just means the muscles have stopped. Those body muscles that operate the breathing, they've relaxed. And yet something's still trickling through. And that then hovers, turns, changes. In breath changes, in out breath, out breaths. There's no one, two, three about it. It's just breathing. Perhaps it ends when you die. When's the last one? Is it just a fading out? The beginning that wells up. When does a thought jump up? Does it just, when we breathe fast, when we're moving fast, they do jump up. When the mind is operating quickly, thoughts pop, 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 pop. I don't say, okay, great, you know, yes, oh no, no, yes, yes, no, yeah, jump, jump, jump. So they're jumping up. But if you, let's have a look at that stream of thoughts. When you give wise, deep attention, you notice there's a general flowing thoughtfulness, stream of thoughtfulness, which is a kind of, like a certain energy, like a certain intensification of energy. We're paying attention, energy becomes more heightened in that aspect, in the consideration aspect. We weren't listening, we give things why consideration, something changes, doesn't it? Energy picks up. I'm spacing out, and I'm focused on the book. I mean, something gets more intense, more charged. I was drifting off, and I heard something in the talk I was interested in. Something picks up, you know, energy moderates. When it gets really exciting, horrifying, terrifying, the energy gets very strong. And then all these thoughts come spilling out of it. So you can see there's a stream of thoughtfulness. <laughs> English language doesn't really do it. Bhaji Sankara, thought formation. And thoughts come bubbling up out of that. But if you try to find the beginning of a thought, you go, you notice the stream. Waiting. Well, it happens. Because <laughs> if you focus directly on the stream of thoughtfulness, there's nothing to think about. But if you try and figure out, what does that mean? The stream of thoughtfulness. Then the thoughts, maybe it's this, no, it's this, it's that. So they come bub up. And they more like um, crystallize. Stirred. There's a stirring in the stream. This stuff forms out of it. Particularly discrete thoughts. When does the thought end? It just sags and drifts away, doesn't it? Goes, oh. Quite quickly. If you get really calm and steady, the thoughts become more like wisps, clouds that sort of shift in and crystal puff up, get big and stormy or and then drift off, fade out. Don't really switch on and off. 
that's uh, as nature. Notice a mood welling up. Because what uncertain, they may be getting a little bit happier or confident, then mood shifting to comfortable, and then perhaps sleepy or disinterested, moving like clouds, like ripples in a stream. Not exactly beginning and ending, just moving and shifting. Mm. You bring your attention to that beginnings and endings, power beginnings and endings. You see, this is where the triggering occurs. Bring your attention there, be very attentive, deeply attentive. Back that up with sati, bearing it in mind. Focus on this place. Focus steadily, you samadhi is what happens, your mind collects its strength. Things don't bubble up. Quiet, steady. Everyone slips in, we find ourselves, this is an old topic of fascination or something I'm involved with at this particular time. So it's stirring me up, comes in. The tendency is to, the asavara, continuity, becoming. We remember things from the past, we feel we want to hold on to them, carry them through to the future so that we'll maintain direction, consistency and so forth. And yeah, that's valid enough. How much do you want to carry? How much do you want to carry from the past? Could it be more selective? <laughs> do I need to go through that all over that again? So noticing, this is not, then, this is worth not worth going into and feel the energy of the distaste or the passion or the whatever it is. Steadying, soothing, holding it carefully, spaciously. Okay. That one needed to be felt and released. Do any of them need to be acted upon? Maybe. Mm. So there's certainly well-considered action. Mm. You have a concern. Linger. Let go of the impatience or the irritation or the compulsion about it take follow it through they're taking you into just giddy speculation fantasies ideals of impossible projections then you've learned something you've got to keep investigating where these things arise from their qualities and where they end when they come to the end where they've left you, kind of spent, sort of agitated, disoriented, convicted, 
left out, miserable. Wow. <laughs> from where? That's from the upwellings of one's own chitta. This is a leakage. All that's using up precious energy. Your life is being used up by this hijack. So it's also a matter of wisdom as to knowing what is useful to bear in mind. Or is useful just to discard, and what what causes it? And this way, these enlightenment factors are keys. You're feeling strong, fresh, comfortable. Stuff doesn't seem to bother you. Chitta feels strong, steady, comfortable. Its wounds and leakages are laid. We're not rehashing tribunals, scenarios, fantasies. Jet has found its own strength, safety, comfort. These are very important references because that irritation, anger is based upon feeling threatened or left out, not having true ground pushed around, we feel overwhelmed, and we keep rehearsing, revising that message over and over again. So we get angry, or frightened, or resentful. And finding a true ground, grounded chitta. Some of our proliferations around feeling depleted, want something to pick me up, some nice fantasy, image, impression of where I could go, who I could be with, it would be more fun. Hmm? What's needed? Chit is not nourished, not fed, therefore it's starving. So it drags up kinds of stuff. So if chitta is fed, it doesn't bother. This is the samadhi principle. Collected. And within that, you can begin to, and the chitta is strong, you can then review the whole process of how stuff affects you. And you have a choice. Not that you shouldn't be affected by anything. You've got a choice. Where do I get reactive? Where am I wisely responsive? Where is my actions predicated by this bursting effect, passive effect? One of they carefully assembled through discrimination and discernment and kindness. Big difference to make. And where that <laughs> the results are very different. You know. And so in this way learning what needs to be eradicated is not action or responsiveness, but reaction and compulsiveness. Check it out. This is our occasion, our laboratory, our workshop to persevere and reveal these asava, these outflows, and plug the leak. Mm.